This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. So next week we are we're starting a series called The Fullness of Life. This is probably something that has been ruminating, um, good SAT word, ruminating for a long time uh, in my mind and heart. Um, and it, it's under the belief that, that Jesus actually meant what he said, uh, that he didn't misspeak. Um, and then he's like, darn it, now I'm stuck with this in the Bible, I don't know what to do. Um, but in John 10.10, 10, it said Jesus himself said that he came that we would have life and have it abundantly. Um, we see that, that phrase, abundance, uh, fullness, like just this fullness of joy in life um, and, and I actually believe that God meant what he said, which is that, that he came that we would have the fullness of life. Uh, we believe every single person from the moment they're born and, and to the moment they die is looking to make the most out of life. That nobody wants to settle. Um, nobody wants to go like, oh man, I really kind of wasted life. That was, that was super. Um, that we're created to look for the fullness of joy and that the reason we're created that way is because God created us that way because he is the fullness of joy. Therefore, when we look for the fullness of joy, we'll ultimately find him. Um, and so th- there's just been this, this conviction, and it's kind of what we prayed here, that, that there's so much more of God to be had than, than we've experienced. Um, that, that, that everything we can think and dream and imagine that is just scratching the surface of what God has for us. And so uh, that, that's kind of where we're going, is exploring that. Like, what does that mean? How do we then get there? Um, is God holding out on us? Or is there something we're doing that's ultimately kind of causing us to, to miss his presence, more of him? And so um, I, I'm incredibly pumped to start this next week. Um, I, I invite you to bring people with you. And the reason I invite you to do that is because what we're talking about, the fullness of life, that is their heart's deepest desire, just like it is yours and mine, is to, to live the fullness of life. Um, and so I believe that we're going to look at what that answer is. And then how we can walk in that and how we can know the fullness of life today and then tomorrow can actually, by the grace of God, be greater. And then the next day, by the grace of God, can be, can be greater because he is an infinitely abundant great God. And so uh, if you're sitting here and you're like, I just don't know, um, welcome to the party because I'm a natural skeptic and I'm like, I just don't know. Um, and, and I'll be honest, like I struggle with this of like, okay, is this real? Like if I really throw myself out at this, is this going to go well? Um, so you can join the party here, but I, I just believe God's bigger than my own skepticism and, and ours, uh, and he is going to show us how great he is. And so that's starting, that's starting next week. Mike, that didn't count on my time for the sermon, right? Like that, that, was, that was pre-sermon. That doesn't go against my time. Um, that's what I'm saying at least. So, um, man, Genesis chapter 2. If you, wanna, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there. Um, and then if you also want to mark, uh, so Genesis is right at the very beginning, um, and then uh, if you want to mark Ephesians chapter 4, uh, that is near the end in the New Testament. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, so Paul wrote these letters, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I always remember the order, go eat popcorn. Um, I, I don't remember who told me that, but it has stuck. And so I always remember the order, go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Um, and so Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to mark that. And then we'll also hit Hebrews 10, which is a few, few books over from, to the right from Ephesians. Um, so here's, here's a statement that I, I don't think will, will come as a shocker to anybody, um, but, but perhaps we will dive a little deeper into it and we'll have a further conviction to it. Um, we are created for community. 
like life will, will always suffer and, and if in extreme cases will eventually break down and die outside of, of community. We are created to have community. Um, we will thrive in community. A form of, of torture um, is solitary confinement, is isolation. You leave someone alone in a, in a place by themselves for long enough and their, their mental faculties will break down. Um, they will fall apart. Uh, and so we, we're created for it. But we also know that community, like really um, deep, real, intimate community is risky, right? Because community requires me to, to lean into someone, to trust someone um, with, my, with my heart and with, you know, the, the scary places. What if, they, what if they drop me, right? Like what if they don't come through, um, which let me go ahead and answer the, the what if to that. They won't. Uh, there will come a point when they will drop you. They won't come through. Um, so then what, right? Like what do we do with that? Um, Community is risky, but it is riskier to not pursue real community. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, he says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. So we're created for community, and yet it's also vulnerable. It's also risky. So why would we pursue it? Right? Why would we put ourselves out there um, to have authentic, real community if it's, if it's risky? Well, well, Lewis makes the point, because otherwise you're just going to become a hardened, impenetrable person, and, and you're actually going to suffer and die on your own. But even deeper than that, we need community because that is how we are created. Like the very function of our body, um, the way that we operate is in community. The way that we will operate best is in community. Um, I oftentimes say that uh, things operate best according to their design, right? So if I take this iPad um, and I use it as, I don't know, a Frisbee out in the parking lot, um, it's not going to operate so well after I use it as a Frisbee. But if I use it as an iPad, then it's going to work best according to its design, right? That's true of everything. Use a chair as a chair and it's going to work well. Um, use it as... I don't know, a flotation device, um, and it's not going to go so well. Um, and so we are created. The, the way that you and I operate as living human beings is in the context of community. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, which is where we should be marked, right? We see the creation of all things. We see God speaking everything into existence, he speaks and, and light breaks into darkness. Where, where that concept never existed, God chooses in his creativity to form light and he speaks light into existence. He speaks and he separates the heavens from the earth and, and, he, and then he forms the, the earth and the dry land and the mountains and the seas and the oceans, right? Can you, like we see all these things and that's all we've known for our entire lives, but can you imagine that not being? Like just, can you imagine there being nothing? I, I don't have an ounce of the creativity to think of everything that we have, right? Like, I'm a, I'm a very uncreative person, and God is creating everything, and with each moment, with each day, he steps back and he looks at his creation, and, and do you know what he says when he, when he looks onto his creation? Anybody know what he says? Let's, 
It is good. It is good. He creates and he steps back and he looks at it and he goes, it is good. He creates the mountains and he, he weighs them just right. You know, he puts mountains where they're supposed to be so that the earth will spin at the right speed at the right tilt so that it doesn't move too close or too far from the sun. Mind-blowing. Um, he, he drops the waters out of the palm of his hands. Right? He, he does all of that and with each moment he looks at it and he says, it is good. The, the, the lions and the tigers and the bears, and they're good, right? And the fish of the sea, they're good. The, the, the sharks and the orcas and the dolphins and all those things. Like, yes, even the sharks. And Michaela, she gave me a look like, no, sharks aren't good. I've seen Shark Week, Dad. It doesn't go well. No, those sharks he creates and they're good. The birds and all of the, everything he creates and it is good. And then God gets to the pinnacle of all creation, Right, the crescendo in the symphony of creation, this rhythm, this orchestra is building and building and building, and you know it's coming, and he creates Adam. And he fashions and he forms a human being, a man, and he breathes life into Adam. And he steps back and he looks at Adam in the garden, and what does God say? It is not good. For the first time in all of creation, in God's perfect design, something is not good, right? Like, we should hear that as if we're listening to a song and everything's going right, and then all of a sudden, there's just this sharp key, right? There's just this screeching, like, nails on a chalkboard, like, and you're like, what is happening, right? Like, that should catch our attention because God is in rhythm and everything is good and everything is good. And then he makes Adam, right, the crescendo, and it's not good. So when reading the Bible, that should cause us to go, time out, time out, time out. What happened here? Did, did God fall asleep on the job? Right, like, did he, was he doing so much in creating the world that he got fatigued and, like, his hand slipped or something? And he's like, oh, oh, no, oh, no. Like, did he just get distracted? Maybe there was like, a, you know, the angels were doing something in heaven and God's like, knock it off, right? And he just gets distracted by, by everything else going on around him and he messes up when he comes to Adam. Why in the world would God say it is not good? He tells us in Genesis 2.18, right? If you have that marked, Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. It's not good that there's Adam and no one else like him. That's not good. Something's wrong there. Now, I don't think God messed up. I think God is trying to draw our attention to the magnitude of what he is about to create. And it's not just a marriage. I think a lot of times we look at this and think like, oh, this is for marriage. This is more than just marriage. God is about to create another human being who is like him, yet different, and designed to be connected and unified as one. And so God creates Eve and puts her in the garden with Adam, and then it ends, and it's very good. God sees Adam, and he sees Eve, and now he says, this is not just good, but this is very good. See, it's not good for man to be alone. He is created. What is good, what is right for mankind is community. We're created for community. So why? 
why is this such a big deal that, that God creates Eve? Why is, why is he taking the time in the creation of a good world to draw our attention to something not being good and then the, the climax is that he's alone, right? Like why is he drawing our attention to that? Go back to Genesis chapter one, verse 26. So chapter one and chapter two are both describing the creation just from a different um, perspective, so to say. And so in chapter one, verse 26, we get to the creation of Adam, and it says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Three times in those two verses, we see the phrase, in his image. That when it got to mankind, not to the mountains, not to the rivers, not to the animals, not to the stars, when it got to mankind, God changed the tune of the song of creation. He said, now we're gonna create something in our image, after our likeness. The primary purpose of mankind that is different than everything else is to reflect the image of God. We are not God, we are simply to reflect his image. That God's character and his attributes should be seen through humanity. When people watch us and listen to us, they should know more of who God is and his character by watching us and listen to us. So if we're ever wondering, like, man, am I fulfilling my purpose in life? We simply need to start with, am I reflecting God the best I can in any situation? If yes, then yeah, you're walking in your purpose. I think a lot of time, and especially for students, right, but not even just students, we're like, is this what I'm supposed to do with my life? Am I on the right path? Am I doing what, what I'm created to do? And, and we're thinking vocationally. And perhaps God's given you a specific vocation, but very possibly not. God wants you more often than not to pick a vocation that you enjoy, that you can maximally reflect his image in that vocation. So whether you want to be a pastor, or whether you want to be a teacher, or whether you want to be an engineer, or whether you want to be an accountant, or whether you want to be a mom, or whether you want to be an entrepreneur, fantastic. Our purpose is to reflect the character of God in whatever we do. And with that, God is saying, well done. He's pleased, that's our primary purpose, is to reflect God's image. Now there's something key here that we look at that, that tells us why community is so important. God says in verse 26, let us make man in our image. He, he shifts to the plural. Prior to this, it was God spoken, it was, and now he's saying, let us. There's a conversation happening when it comes to creating humanity. There, there's something that is, is different. Who is the us? What is going on here? Right, like, why is God now having a conversation about, why is he saying, let us make man in our image? The Bible from Genesis one to the end defines God as one God, but in three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, I've been reading this book called Delighting in the Trinity. Um, our college leadership team is reading this with me. Um, Mike actually introduced it to us. Uh, there's several out on the desk um, behind here. If you wanna grab this book, I highly recommend it. It's a little book, which is just my style, because I can start a book really well, and I'm terrible at finishing them. Um, and so when it's uh, short, it helps me out a lot. 
But I, I've been reading about the, the Trinity. And from the beginning to the end, God is described as one God, but three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when God says, let us make man in our image, the image of God is a communal God. First John says God is love. That that is who he is, and, and love is self-giving. It is generous. It is moving towards the good of, of others. In John 17, Jesus is praying to, to the Father, and he says, before the foundation of the world, Father, you have loved me. So before anything else was in all of eternity, God has existed as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you've got the Father giving love to the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you've got the Son giving love to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. And you've got the Holy Spirit giving love to the Son and to the Father. And so for all of eternity, this one God that we are created in the image of is a God of perfect, loving, self-giving community. Whether we ever existed or not, this is who God is. And I realize this is getting like clouded now, but hopefully in the progress, you see that God is communal. And so then if we are created in his image and if Adam is alone, it is impossible for Adam to ever fulfill the purpose that God created him as a communal being alone, isolated. And so God in his kindness creates Eve Someone who is like Adam, yet different, in which he can give love to, and Eve can give love to him, and they can reflect the communal, self-giving love that God is. So we want to make the most out of life, and we will never live to the fullness that God created us for outside of a community like God. It'll always fall short, and therefore, we'll never reach the purpose that we've been created. We've never, we'll never live to the fullness. This is why it is so important that God created us for community, because he is communal. And apart from us living in real community like God, we will never live in his image and reflect the purpose that we've been created. Now, here's the thing with community. We all know and have felt firsthand its brokenness. We all look at this community of love and, and generosity and humility and sacrifice and go, well, I mean, not really. Like, we can try our best, but it always falls short, right? Why is our, is our horizontal community, I mean, gosh, look at the news for love's sake. I mean, it's a disaster. Look at, look at, Look at families and churches and just people in general. Man, there's so much hatred and disunity. There's so much brokenness in our horizontal relationships. Why? Because there's a proper order when it comes to community. That first, our vertical relationship with God is what then makes our horizontal relationships with each other possible is we first have to have community with God, and then we're able to give that community to others. If we don't have this perfect community from God, we can't give that community to others. Well, the problem with that is, we've all messed that community up too. The Bible says we've all sinned, we've all done God wrong, and what it does then is, I love drawing stick figures, is we become separated from this community. 
It's broken, it's fractured, right? Like there's a brokenness in between us and God, and so we're, our community with God is broken. How are we ever going to give community to others? Now there's two ways to have a relationship with God. I know that we always say like, man, Jesus is the only way. But there's actually two ways to have a relationship with God. The first is for you and me to live perfectly, just like Jesus did. That, that option is available. If from the moment we're born to the moment we die, we live without a single sin in our lives, in our minds, in our actions, in our hearts, then, then we can have that community with God. But the reality is, it probably took all of two minutes in this world for selfishness to take over. When we were newborns and we didn't care that mom wanted to sleep, we just wanted to eat, right? I want my own way. Like we're just, we're wired for selfishness. And so we've all, while option one is available, I'm gonna, I'm gonna warn against it. It's not gonna go well. It, it already hasn't. And we know that we can't live up to this standard. And so Jesus left heaven to come and live in our place and to unite us into this divine community. Philippians 2 says that Jesus left what was rightfully his, this perfect community, and he came down to earth where it was broken and, and, and destroyed, and he could have come in and he could have kicked things around and been like, get your stuff together, people. But Jesus comes in humility beneath us as our servant, and he lives the perfect life in our place that we should have lived. And then he goes to the cross to suffer the punishment for our sin. Something has to reconcile this brokenness. You have a broken relationship with a friend, there has to be reconciliation, right? There has to be a confession and repentance. So there has to be a rejoining. Well, it's in the cross of Jesus that our sin is removed and we're able by faith in his resurrection to be rejoined into this divine community. Jesus brings us in and he says, hey, be like me, and we can enjoy and experience this divine community, and then we can horizontally give it to others. But there's an order first. We, we have to first be rejoined to this relationship. And then we're able to give that community to others. We're able to live according to how God designed us to live. So what does biblical community look like? We, we could spend multiple sermons. I'm just gonna give six points and some references, like just kind of run through them quickly. If you wanna write this down and look it up later. Um, what, what should this community look like? Is all community like this? Is it, is it biblical? Is it designed how God planned it? Ephesians chapter four is the first one. I'll read a few verses here. It says, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Um, skip down just a little bit. He says in verse 11, he gives to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So one of the chief things that separates biblical community from other community is where we are heading, the objective. That biblical community seeks to build one another up into Christ. That the goal of that biblical community is to help one another look more and more and more and more like Jesus. Hebrews 10, 24, 25, if you want to jot that down as another reference, it just says, don't neglect gathering together, but rather spur one another on to love and good works. We're to encourage one another into Christ's likeness. And so the, the objective, the aim of biblical community is to look more and more like Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we see the picture of the first church. And in that, we see characteristics of biblical community. Luke, he writes, he says that they, the church, the biblical community, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their day, their number day by day, those who were being saved. So we see biblical community is devoted to the word and prayer. Right? That doesn't mean that every time you're together, you're like, okay, let's, talk, let's open our Bibles or let's pray. But it, it does mean that is an element of biblical community. If your community never opens up the word and never speaks of the scriptures together and prays together, then it's not biblical community. It's community, but it's missing a key element of God's design for community, that we are to listen to his words, to work on our vertical relationship together. Biblical community, it's sacrificially generous. We see that in Acts 2. This blows my way. They're literally selling their possessions so they can give money to those in need. Right, like they're, they're selling their, their land. Like, oh, I got a couple acres over there, I can sell that so that this person's needs can get taken care of. Like they're sacrificially generous so that no one was in need among them. Uh, we see that in Ephesians chapter four, as we read, and Je Jesus prays us in John 17, they are unified as one. One of the most horrific images of the church today is the disunity, good gracious but we're to reflect a unified one. How do we image a united God if we're disconnected among each other? If all we're doing is bickering and complaining and fighting, like to pull, it, it's not just miserable, it's an insult to the image of God. And so we can't, it doesn't mean conflict doesn't happen, it's gonna happen. It means though that in humility we're gonna resolve it so we can be unified like God is unified. Biblical community is hospitable. We see in Acts 2 and in Romans 15, 7, they were eating together. They were opening up their homes and making meals for one another. They genuinely shared life together. They didn't just show up at the regularly scheduled time, but they interacted with one another outside of that because they loved each other and they were hospitable to one another. Philippians 2, it says that they were humble. That we are to consider others as more significant than ourselves. This is, I think, the, the X factor. If we just went every day considering other people more significant than ourselves, we, we do pretty well. So humility marked biblical community. 
John 13, Jesus says to love one another as he has loved us. It, it is a selfless love for others. So those are just some elements of a biblical community. So we are made for community, whether this is your church home or not, wh- whether you're new to church or not, like that, that is, I believe, fundamentally true for every human being. We are created for real, authentic, deep community to reflect the community of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We'll never live up to our purpose outside of it. We are called, I believe, to be a part of a local church and in that church to build biblical community with one another. So again, if this is not your church home, wherever your church home is, the the call for you is to go and to connect and to plug in and to build real biblical community with those in your church, to build one another up to the image of Christ. According to the New Testament, it's just not an option. All we can do at this point is to choose to obey it or not. But that's what the Bible points us to do. So if you're going to stay here at Austin Life, if this is your church home, um, then I believe that God's called you to not just be a, a passive consumer, but an active contributor. Right? To actively contribute to the good of this body and to our city and our neighborhoods. And so I believe God's calling you to, to, and to be involved and to know, like we're, we're to be a family here. Right? Brothers and sisters, all a part of one family. And so how are we going to do that? What are the areas that, that we do that with? See, I'm so unprepared. Just see if this works. There we go. So again, it's kind of a, think of it like a funnel. We're going to shift, except that's not great either. We've got three environments. Worship gatherings, community groups, and discipleship groups. So worship gatherings is where you are today. This is going to happen every Sunday, whether we're in person or it's virtual because of a pandemic, right? Um, We are going to have worship gatherings every Sunday where we come together to build one another up, to look like Jesus, and to honor God our Father. It's like a family dinner. I don't know if you had family dinners growing up, but, you know, we, we have a family dinner. When we have a family dinner, we want the family there. Right? We don't want you know, one of the kids to be like, no, I'm going to hang up at the room by myself. I'm, I'm good. Like, that's, that's insulting. No, get down here and eat dinner with us. Put away your phone. Dad, gum it. You know, like, we're going to have dinner together. This is the family dinner, right? We're here as a family to worship God. God wants the whole family. So it doesn't mean that, man, I had to go out of town or something, right? Like, that happens. But we live in a day where this has become very lax. Like, I don't know. It's whatever. If I got something better to do. I want to sleep in, you know, I just, I don't know, I want to take it easy, I want to go hiking, I don't know, there, there was a game, I, some, right, there's so many reasons that we, I mean, we're great at it too, that we can prioritize a million other things, and yet the Bible also says it's, it's a non-negotiable, we gather here, and so what happens in this, what, in, in every environment, there's three practices that we want to do, we want to look up, we want to look in, and we want to look out, We want to take time to turn our eyes and our mind upward toward God. We want to look inward to one another, to taking care of one another and helping one another grow. And we want to look outward to being obedient in the world around us, to our neighbors and our cities in the world. So in every environment, right, so in worship gatherings, we're going to come together and we're going to to look at God's word and we're going to sing songs to God and we're going to pray and every, we're, we're just, 
creating everything to look up and to set our minds and our hearts and our affections on God. And then we're going to care for one another. We're going to be hospitable and welcome and know that, that your participation and your presence matters. Come on, you've all been, no doubt, to an environment where people are engaged and people are present and people want to be there and they're active. And then when you walk into places and it's kind of like, right? Like there's a huge difference, like to your own psyche and soul. There's one place I want to go to and another place, no thanks. And so our presence and involvement, when we sing as a church, you know what it does? It builds us up, right? Like there's, there's something where we walk out and we go, hot dogs, something happened there, you know? Because it matters. We matter to one another. And then we want to take this time to say, all right, God, how are you telling me to walk out and be obedient? How am I called to love my neighbor? What can we do to welcome people into our lives? And so three things that you can do here to make the most of it. Commit to being present. Right, just commit, like block it out. I'm gonna be there. If I'm out of town, I'm gonna drive back if I can. Don't, like, don't kill yourself, like don't force something, but if you can be here, be here. And again, if this is not your church home, I, I don't wanna be like, oh, it's all about it. Be at your church home, like be present. Commit to actively engaging and contributing, right? Meet people, say hi to people, welcome people in, sing, pray, read, con- commit to contributing, and commit to serving and helping making everything possible. So again, or sweep or do something, right? So if this is a family, we all got a part to play. And we can, we can set up or tear down, and gosh, Lord knows we need some help setting up and tearing down, makes everything go faster. We can be a part of the hospitality team or the kids team. If this is where God's calling you, you got a part to play. Let's do it. Let's figure out what that is. Let's do it together. The second place is community groups. This is the you know, kind of, right? so this is the, the broadest. This one gets a little more narrow, Let's say groups of 12-ish perhaps, and you know, six to 15, something like that, like it can vary. Um, but this is the context where you shift from going to a church to being the church. Huge difference. You can go to a church every Sunday for the rest of your lives and never be a part of that community. You can walk in and sit and just kind of do your thing and never actually be a part of that family. And you're going to miss out on God's design for you in community. And so community groups are where we go primarily to build community, right? To build a family feel, to have real friendships, to have people who will make meals for us when we're sick, to, to care for our needs. So many times I've heard someone say, like, I no one even knew who I was. And I'd be like, well, did you, did you get involved at all? Like, no. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to point the finger at someone. I think it starts here, right? Like, we got to take ownership. We're going to be involved and connect. And so what happens in a community group? We're going to look up. We're going to read the Bible and talk about it together. It's designed to be a place where anyone and everyone can come and just jump in and read. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to have done homework. We're just going to read something. We're going to read Ephesians 4 and be like, man, what does this mean? What do we, what do we see here? What is God telling us to do with this? How does that look like in our lives? We're going to look in. We're going to be hospitable and care for one another. We're going to eat together. We're going to look out. 
We see how can we love and serve our city? How can we welcome people in? How can we take this, you know, Tuesday night thing and move it to a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon, right? Like, let's move outside of the regularly scheduled times. And so a couple things you can do in that setting. Commit to being actively involved in a group. Just be like, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm committing to this group. You get out what you put in. Give it time. Relationships take time. If you don't ever hit that awkward point in your relationship, then it's still surfacy. There's going to come a point where it's like, man, I don't know about this anymore. And then when we commit through that, that's when real, real relationships start to take, take root. So give it time. Pursue relationships outside your regular, I hate that word, regularly scheduled times. That's when real friendships, I mean, like, we can show up when we're supposed to all the time, but then when, when I show up when I don't have to be there, now we're talking, right? Now, now we're cooking with gasoline. I don't even know if that's the phrase, but that's what it is today. Welcome others as you have been welcomed, right? Be hospitable. We were the outsiders and Jesus welcomed us in, right? We were, we were on the outside of that image and Jesus came and he brought us in. Let's be hospitable to others. The final setting is discipleship group. This is the, the smallest context um, where, where we encourage one another. Um, and and if, I had, if you had to be like, Corey, give me two, two out of three. I have to say two because I think this is biblical and then I think one of these at a minimum, is, I think all three are most important, but um, I'm gonna say worship, worship gatherings and discipleship groups. D- discipleship groups are those small settings where we're, we're not gonna hide. We're, we're just, we're not gonna hide. Look, hiding didn't happen until Genesis 3 when sin entered the picture. If you are having to hide anything, other than like a surprise present or something, right? Like, you know what's right and wrong. If you're having to hide something about yourself, we are working in the tool of the devil. Hiding did not exist until Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, and what did they do? They went and hid from God. If you're hiding anything, just know that is the devil's tool to destroy your life. And it may take time, but it's going to come out or it's gonna eat you up from the inside. Hiding is Genesis 3 nonsense, and the devil wants to kill you with it. And so a discipleship group is where we say, I'm not gonna hide. Like, these people are gonna know everything because it honors God and because it's good for us. There's healing and confession and being open and honest. I think a lot of times we we overcomplicate this. We're like, man, I I don't know enough. Like, we think it's like a small group with a professor or something. You know, it... This is just people coming together to be real together, to be honest and encourage each other to enjoy God, to drop their guards and talk about this. Hey, we reading this during the week? Why not? How, how are you doing in loving your coworker? Just to be real and honest with one another. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. Um, Thomas and I, we meet at Austin Beer Works on Monday nights because Michaela's at Cheer, and I got an hour and 15 minutes anyways, and so we just meet there. You know, Stephanie and Erica oftentimes at Easy Tiger or something. You can have discipleship group at Crux Climbing Gym. You know, you can do it at home. It's just people coming together and being real, helping one another grow in the image of God. And so how can you make the most of it? Don't overcomplicate it. Just find some people and be like, we're going to do this. We're going to be honest with each other. We're going to help each other know who God is and grow in our faith. Don't hold back. I'm telling you, there's going to come a point, if it's not today, there's going to come a point when there's something you just want to bury and just handle it on your own, and that is the devil. 
don't hold back. We've got to be honest if we're going to move forward. Set specific goals or practices that you want to focus on and grow in. And relax. Enjoy yourself. Give it time. Right? Like it's just enjoy the community that you have in that setting. So my hope today as, as we wrap here um, is, is really that we will see the biblical design of us as people to be in community. It's, it's just not an option according to how God designed us. And that we'll then see the ways that you can do that in this church or whatever church you're a part of and that you will be compelled by God's love for you, by his work to join you into community with him to then be in community with others. And so I, I hope that if you're, if you're missing one of these settings, that today will be a day when in obedience you, you'll say, all right, I'm doing this. We have the time. I promise you have the time. It's just a matter of what are we going to prioritize as our time. And so let's, let's figure that out together. A couple, um, these are out on the table. If you want to take a look at these, these are great, I think, for personal study and discipleship. Um, they are individual books of the Bible. Uh, it's called the Illuminated Scripture Journal. And um, so, like, again, Thomas and I are doing Ephesians. So we just have this little bitty book of Ephesians, and we, you know, just focus on this, and then we talk about it when we get together, and we talk about life, you know? And so um, these are fantastic, I think. If you're like, what do I do? I mean, get, get a buddy, one or two friends, and be like, hey, let's, let's go through Romans together. Go grab one of these and just set up a time where you're going to sit together, you know, get together once a week and just talk about the Scripture and life and how we can grow. Um, it's for our good, and it's for God's glory as we grow into the image of Jesus. Uh, and so let me... Let me pray for us um, as Charlie then leads us. God, thank you for uh, just your word and your love for us. Um, God, I pray that you, your voice will be heard, that we will um, be compelled by you, um, not by guilt or by pressure, um, but just because we want to follow your design and we want to know you more, we want to love others, God, that we, that would be our driving force. God, give every one of us here the courage to um, be obedient as we step forward. So I want to take a second, just where you are, don't, don't feel, you know, and just listen for God's voice of how he's calling you to follow him forward. We believe that God speaks to us through his word, um, through what he's shown us today. What is he telling you to do? Maybe he's just affirming you, saying you're doing a great job, keep it up. Or maybe there was somewhere that, that we talked about, one of these settings or uh, the, the way of biblical community that you you, it was just a gut check, and you knew that your life wasn't lining up to what God's word says, and he's just pressing you to move forward with that. There's a, a connect card in every seat. Um, if you want to take a step forward with any of these ways or anything at all, would you just take this time right now to be obedient with God and say, all right, I'm going I'm to take a step. Leave us your name and contact information and what you're interested in, but um, let's not just be hearers of the word, but also doers of the word as we move forward. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.